Well, the ushers are going to come right now and we'll receive our tithes and offering. Uh, as they do, I wanted to just again thank you for your amazing generosity. Last week, we were almost at that $20,000 goal. We surpassed it after last weekend and it was awesome. So we raised all that that we talked about. And uh, for those of you who are like new or wondering, huh, what was that for? It was to give away to our community, to various ministries and nonprofits in our city and around the world to, to raise the waterline of the community, right? And uh, so you are a generous church. Thank you so much for that. So let's, uh, let's just give as part of our worship. I also, again, want to remind us that as we give, we're supporting people like Peggy who are out doing what none of us, most of us, aren't going to be able to do, to travel around and, and kind of build into some of these different leaders and pastors and, uh, and uh, communities around the world. So thank you for that. Well, hey, we are in a series, and I'm going to continue in that particular series, called Behold. And uh, last weekend, Nate, Pastor Nate, talked about how behold, the word behold, means to stand and be amazed. <coughs> to stand and be amazed. And the scripture says over and over and over again, various things that we are to behold, to stand back and just be amazed. And today, I want to look at one of those. Matter of fact, it's one that Jesus talked about. And he, he said this. He said, behold, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming soon. I love that. That Christmas, we often celebrate the first Advent, Jesus coming. That's what Advent means, is coming. And so we celebrate Jesus coming to this earth, his first Advent. But Advent is as well about his second coming, that he says, I'm coming again soon. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that. See, the Bible refers to the days that we live in today as the last days. We live in the last days. I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of ominous to me. Like, whoa, does that mean like things start spinning out of control and planets start falling? And what happens in the last days? Well, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And uh, Peter stood up. You'll remember, uh, they were about 120 of them in an upper room praying, waiting on the Spirit to come. Jesus had died. Uh, he was buried. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the sending of the Spirit. So that's the day of Pentecost, is the day the Holy Spirit just came in power to this earth and filled the followers of Jesus. And so even today, we enjoy that filling of the Holy Spirit. And here's what Peter stood up in that day, when, on the day of Pentecost, and he preached to everybody who would listen in the streets of Jerusalem. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Peter is actually quoting from the Old Testament from the prophet Joel, and Joel had predicted hundreds of years previously that there would be this day of Pentecost, and the Bible refers to the days that we're living in since the day of Pentecost is the last day, so we're living in the last days. 
And that's actually a good thing. Sounds kind of ominous, but it's actually a good thing because it means we live in the days where the Holy Spirit lives in you. Not just a few special people showing up at a, at a couple a designated times in history, but in you every day, the Holy Spirit living in us. It's also a great thing because in the last days, they would be, it'd be a time of grace, a time where forgiveness is free, a time where Jesus is beckoning people to come to him. And those are the days that we live in right now, the last days. It's because God's perspective about time is a little different than ours. Because when I think of last days, I think of like 24-hour days, right? Like, oh, we're, I mean, it's clicking down. Some of you are like good at math, and you're thinking, last days, it's been about 2,000 years since he said that. So like, when are the last days done, right? Some of you are kind of maybe thinking that. And here's the deal. God's perspective on time is different than our perspective. Any of you like football? Any of, anybody in your family like football? Some, some of you do. Oh, come on. Way more of you than what raised your hand. Be honest. And, if, and if, those of you who are maybe newer to football, you know, and, and you say, hey, when is the game over? And the person watching the game says, hey, we're in the last two minutes. What does that mean? It's like another hour, isn't it? It's not two minutes. We're not talking about 120 seconds. We're talking about over and over and over, more plays to be played, right? Here's what Peter said. He said, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God's perspective on time is different than yours and mine. And the reason that he's waiting, the reason that he's waiting is that everyone possible would come to repentance, would change, would turn to him, would know Jesus, would enter into a relationship with God. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be alienated or separated from his love. And so he waits. See, all the major things have happened. Jesus came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. The major things have happened. And so at any moment, Jesus can come back. And he doesn't want anyone to say, I never knew. I never heard the gospel. An economist uh, said to God, he said, God, is it true that a minute, a minute to you or a minute to me is like a thousand years to you? God said, yeah. The economist said, well, then a penny to you must be like a million dollars to me. And the, and the Lord said, yeah, I guess. He said, well, I'd like one of those pennies. And God said, no problem, just wait a minute. <laughs> See, the way we view time is not how God views time at all. He's not bound by time. Now, what exactly is going to happen when Jesus returns? What's going to happen? Well, one of the things, Scott's actually going to talk more about what happens when Jesus returns, but... One of the things that's going to happen, though, 
is that everybody will know it. Everybody will know. It won't be some Yahoo over in some foreign country where someone says, oh, I think Jesus came back. No, everybody around the globe in every nation will know when Jesus comes back. See, people want to know when, what's the day, what's the date. And some people get really wrapped up in the date, you know, like uh, people, I, I mean, people literally will make charts and graphs and try and figure it all out based on current events and math and genealogies and all of that. And let me tell you, so far, everybody's got it wrong. If you were around in 1988, maybe you'll remember there was a book that came out, 88 Reasons Jesus is going to show, show up in 1988. The rapture will happen in 1988, right? And, and matter of fact, 300,000 copies of that book were sold. TBN actually kind of bought into it a little bit, and they rearranged the regular programming during the time it was supposed to happen, and they started giving instructions about what to do in the rapture. And <laughs> well, September 11th through the 13th, when the author predicted it would happen, the Jewish New Year, it didn't happen. And so in 1989, he wrote a different book, 89 Reasons. <laughs> Serious, he did, that Jesus come back in 1989. And he did it again in 1990. And then a couple other books came out. And I think the only one that really made out was the author because it never actually happened. For 20 centuries, Christians have been fascinated with the second coming, which we ought to be. And people have been trying to figure out, you know, what, what does the scripture say about it, which is a good thing, but where it goes awry is when you try and figure out the actual day or even the week or the month or any of that. So when it comes to the second coming, what can we be assured of? What does the scripture actually say? What can you take to the bank? Let me give you a couple things. First, Jesus is coming again soon. That's what he said. You can take that to the bank. He's coming again, literally. He will show up again. And he said, it will be soon. Mark 13, verse 26 says, At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. See, this is a different kind of event than Christmas. Everyone will know. The first time he came, he came humbly. He came fairly quietly. He came to people that nobody knew. He was born in a town that was, that was obscure. He was placed in a manger. The second coming will not be that way. The second coming, everybody will experience. Everybody will know. Every eye will see. So in light of that, when you think about Jesus coming again soon. You know what it's supposed to do? Here's what it's not supposed to do. Create some weird, wacky, unhealthy fear in you. What it is supposed to do, though, is create a longing for relationship with God. That we go, I'm going to live with Jesus forever. Why would I wait until I die to start a relationship with him? Why would I wait until I'm on my deathbed to start a relationship with him and start calling out to him? Why wouldn't I start now, today, 
to deepen my intimacy with Jesus, to spend time in prayer, and to allow the Holy Spirit to baptize me and refresh me and to be thinking about God and my relationship with him every day because he's coming again soon. And so I want to know him now. And so that when I meet him face to face, it won't be this, um, who are you, who are you? It will be, Jesus, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Jesus coming again. He's coming again soon. The other thing you can know for certain is that no one knows when. Mark chapter tw- uh, 13, verse 32 says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows when. No one. And this is why all the speculation about when Jesus is coming back can be a waste of time. Because on the one hand, people write weird books that end up creating unhealthy fears. On the other hand, people don't think about it at all. And I'm afraid sometimes we fall into that category where we're not thinking enough about it, and therefore we get apathetic. Jesus said, nobody knows the day, nobody knows the hour, nobody knows exactly when, only the Father knows But here's one thing you can know for sure. He said, Jesus said, keep watch, because I'm going to come unannounced like a thief. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, how does a thief come into your house unannounced? I don't think he knocks, rings the doorbell, any of that, right? Last Saturday, Tisa and I went up to Green Bluff to get our Christmas tree. We were up there, we went, found a Christmas tree lot that had 11,000 trees. And all of them were $25 each. It's a great spot. And so we cut down a tree, we put it on the car, we brought it home, we brought it out, shook out the bugs, and then we put it in a tree stand, we set it up in our living room, we got all of our boxes from underneath the stairwell, put up all of our various ornaments that we have been saving through the years, put the lights around the tree, put water in the stand. We made our hot chocolate. It was 3.30 in the, in the afternoon, dark. We went to bed, right? No, we didn't go to bed. But don't you get tired about 3.30, 4 o'clock, sun goes down, it's pitch dark. You're like, oh, man, it must be 10 o'clock at night. It's like 3.30. We made it to about 9. We go to bed. In the middle of the night at 1 a.m., we... Uh, we thought we heard somebody breaking in. And so we kind of freaked out. You know, we got up both right at the same time because it's pretty loud. And, and, you know, get out of bed and we're just bumbling around and, you know, what was that? I don't know. What was that? I don't know. Let's go look around. And so we start going into the closet. What's in a closet? Nothing's in the closet except clothes. We have our iPhone lights, you know, and we're kind of trying to bumble around with those and get them going and look around. And we're looking through the... The, the different rooms, and finally we go downstairs and we notice the whole tree had fallen over. Such a bummer. And all of the, a bunch of the ornaments had broke and some of the lights had broke and all of the dirty water from the tree stand had spilled out into the floor. And we spent like over an hour with 40 towels cleaning it all up, putting it away. It was such a drag. But anyways, wasn't a thief. But here's the deal is that we're we're totally unprepared if there was. Now, I know some of you are really prepared. I know, because some of you have tactical lights that you bought from Amazon. 
you know, and you keep them by your bed stand. Some of you own guns. Some of you have like security lights, motion detectors, alarm systems. You're ready, you know, you're ready if somebody breaks in. Are you ready though on the inside of your life and your heart and your soul for Jesus to return like a thief in the night? Because he's gonna come back when you least expect it. He's coming again soon, be ready. Be ready. And you can be ready, and that's the good thing. You can prepare, you can be ready. Now, Mark chapter 13, verse 33 says, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. See, Jesus is coming back, and he says, I want you to be kind of alert, watchful, waiting, readying yourself, living in a certain way. Are you living your life in such a way that Jesus could come back at any moment and you would feel like, hey, I'm living with a clean conscience? Because none of us knows None of us knows when. If you were going to die within the month, and by the way, I've talked to multiple people who were in that exact situation. They had a diagnosis. They knew that they were going to pass away within probably around a month. And can I tell you, they think different. You think different when you know, you know what, I'll be checking out of this place soon. And the thoughts that go through your mind, your priorities, the, all the, the smaller little busy things that we do that really add up to nothing, all of that changes, and we begin to ready ourselves to meet God. But you don't have to be on your deathbed in order to ready yourself or to begin to think that way. We're uh, preparing to go to a, a backpacking trip. We did it last year, Ryan and Nate and myself going to a place called Snow Peak Cabin. Any of you ever been there, Snow Peak Cabin? It's a cool place. Anyway, so we're readying ourselves. We, Ryan rented the cabin. Uh, you have to hike back with snowshoes to get to this place, but he rented the cabin because it's booked every single night of the week. He booked it like six months ago. And so we've been talking about it, and we've been preparing for it, and you know, we've got to get the snow parking permit, and then there's little gear items, and so we're constantly at REI, right? REI is like church. It's a place of equipping, you know? And so picking up little items, we're talking, we're comparing notes, we're sending pictures back and forth of little cool stuff we pot because we're getting ready to go. And the closer it gets, the more anticipation builds up, the more excitement happens. And we're texting more. And I just got a text the other day from Ryan, and he's like, man, I am so done with this place. I'm out of here. I'm checked out. I'm ready to go. Kind of an awkward thing to tell your boss. But, <laughs> but that's how you feel, isn't it? Like, I want to blow this popsicle stand. I am out of here. And you get excited for it. Sometimes I'm so ready for Jesus to come back. All the political bickering and all of the fear-mongering and all of the power and posturing around the world and all of the sexual abuse that you hear about and all of the racism and all of the sickness and the sin, it just gets exhausting. You ready? Are you ready? 
ready to meet God, ready to have Jesus return? What do you do to get yourself ready? I want you to read Matthew 25 on your own time. But look at Matthew 25 because Jesus tells three powerful stories about getting ready for his return. One of the stories is called the parable of the ten virgins. And the whole, the moral of this story is make sure there's oil in your lamp. Make sure you've readied yourself in a relationship with God. Make sure that you're not just living in compromise and living apathetically and just thinking, ah, it's thousands of years off before Jesus ever comes back or I ever pass away. And then in that same chapter, there's the parable of the talents. You remember where he gave different amounts of talents to different ones. And the whole moral of that story is to live as if this could be your last day. Live using and leveraging the talents of your life that God has placed within you in such a way that you're making an impact in the kingdom, not just your own little kingdom, but the bigger kingdom. And then the third story in Matthew 25 is the parable of the sheep and the goats. You'll remember that where the king says, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And so it's this call to be caring for the poor, caring for the needy, caring for those that are least uh, thought about in society. First Thessalonians 5 says we, we should be alert and self-controlled. Second Peter 3 says live holy and godly lives. See, everybody's speaking about the way to get ready for the coming of Jesus the second time. The scripture talks about it all over the place. So are we ready? He's coming back, he's coming, coming back soon. We don't know the exact day. It'll be unannounced. And we are to be ready. So what do we do? Well, every time we pray that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, one of the things why we're left here, one of the reasons why he hasn't returned yet, one is that he's waiting for more people to come to him. And the other is that he's letting us extend the kingdom to some degree now. That the fullness will come when he returns. But he wants us to occupy until he comes. He wants us to be extending his kingdom now. And this is why whenever we care for the needs in our community or around the world or people like Peggy who go around and build up communities or why we serve our city or why we care about justice, why we want to see wrongs righted, we're not going to be able to bring all of heaven to this earth, but that's God's job. That'll happen in fullness when Jesus returns. But in the meantime, we can participate and we get to join in what the Spirit is doing now. Calling people to repentance. Loving mercy, doing justly and walking humbly with God. Can I, can I ask you, are you in a place of suffering? Are you in a place of pain or depression? A place of sickness? And inside your heart, inside your spirit, in your soul, you're crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Can I say that's a good thing? That's a good thing. Because we, we are wired in such a way to long for the fullness of the kingdom. We're wired in such a way to long for the coming of Christ, 
that he would right every wrong and turn around the injustice and he would heal every sickness and he would make us whole. That he is the fulfillment of all that you're longing for and hoping for and everything that you're missing. And God, he longs for you. He longs for a relationship with you too. He's the real lover of your soul. He is our hope. We wait for Jesus to return, and so we groan on the inside. We're not just waiting around. We're praying. We're readying ourselves. We're developing and deepening the intimacy that, that we have with Jesus. We know that we're living in the last days, but we're also living in a time of grace, a time of urgency. We're part of a great cosmic story. And we're speeding the day of his return as we live sober lives, prayerful lives, ready lives. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray together and let's ask him for that. God, we just come to you. And we ask, God, that you return. Lord, we're not afraid of that day. It'll be awesome. And yeah, we'll, we'll be shaken in our boots. But God, we long for your return. Make us holy, God. Help us prepare our hearts. Help us ready ourselves. Help us live in a different way, with a different perspective, that any day could be our last, and any day you might return. And Lord, let that impact the way we live, the way we love, the way we serve, the way we give. God, the way that we focus on the right things. Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus' second coming has not been on your radar at all. And yet today, God is knocking on the door of your heart and he's inviting you into a relationship that he wants you to start now, building into that, developing that, growing in that, not waiting if that's you, I want to pray with you and ask that you just pray this prayer to God from your heart. Jesus, I, I'm just coming to you this morning. And Lord, I, I have not been thinking at all that you're coming again soon. And today, God, I'm turning to you. Today, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. And I want my life to declare you are Lord. Lord. You're king, you're ruler over every aspect of my life, of my heart, of my mind, of my morality, of my money, of everything, God. And I submit to you. And I want to know you. I want to follow you. And I just receive you fresh and new today, God. Forgiveness for all of my sin. And God, I just pray today, Lord, help me get ready. Help me be ready. Help me live with anticipation, urgency, and excitement about your return. Lord, that's a prayer that every one of us, every one of us, Lord, pray. Maybe you're here today and you're just suffering. You're in a time where life is so hard. It is so hard. You've just thought of giving up, giving in, throwing the towel in, maybe even ending your own life. And can I tell you, you are not permitted to do that. That's a selfish act. 
It creates pain for everyone else around you. As Christians, we will suffer. As Christians, life will get hard. And Jesus understands suffering. And yet he walks with you through it. And he fills you. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to put people around you. And he wants to give you the grace for every moment for each day. And it's okay for your heart to long for his coming. Jesus, come back. Jesus, make all things right. Jesus, make me whole. And give me the patience to wait it out. And give me the knowledge and the wisdom to know how to best invest my life now. That you have more for me to do and people to pray for and invest in. And so Jesus, each of us, we turn to you and we say, come. Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Amen. What a great word. Be ready. I want to be ready, don't you? Uh, what a great reminder and thought for us to live differently today and in our coming week. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to continue this conversation. You know, the Bible, it, it does say that, you know, we don't know that day or the hour of when the second coming is going to be, but it does give us a picture of what it will look like when it happens. And so Pastor Scott, he's going to share with us a little bit about what it's going to look like when the second coming actually happens. And I've actually had a few questions about what this is going to look like. Specifically, do I need my tactical flashlight? And my bug out bag I've put together, and maybe even more specifically, what goes in there, you know? Um, and so come expect it next week. Scott's going to bring a wonderful word of just the, the, that second coming. Remember, if you're new here, or uh, maybe you've been here for a while but just haven't been connected, I would love to meet you at our first connect right underneath this monitor right here. And if you're just in need of any type of prayer, we're going to have some people over here that they'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, live differently. Be ready this week. God bless you, and we'll see you next week at church.